On today's show for Locked on Cast for Wednesday, January 21st, I am joined by Fear the Swords and Write Down Euclid's Jackson Flickinger to talk about NBA All-Star 2024 and the things he saw because he was one of, if not the only, media member present during the weekend. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. For those of you who may not know, uh, I am Evan Dameron, one of the co-hosts of Locked on Cavs. I run Write Down Euclid, and joining me today, as I mentioned before, is Jackson Flickinger, who writes with me at Write Down Euclid and also works at Fear the Sword under Chris as well. But before we dive into our conversation about All-Star, I just want to let you know, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's 150 bucks if your best bet wins. Just visit vantool.com forward slash locked on to get started. Jackson, thanks for joining me today. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me back on. It's good to be back from Indy. Uh, Indy was fun, but it's also it's also fun to sleep in your own bed. So uh, I've been doing that. So that's been so that's been great. Oh, that's yeah, that's fair. Like I, it is always underrated. Like whenever I have covered games on the road, um, whether it was the trip to Salt Lake I took last year or the trip to Brooklyn I took last year, you do miss your own bed, your own shower, your own routine in your own space after a while, especially just because hotel rooms are so confining and uh, the chaos of All-Star on top of it. Um, how, how was that for you? I, this was your first time covering All-Star. I just wanted to be curious, how was that experience for you? It- it was it was definitely good. I definitely didn't know what to expect, uh, but it was it was a lot of fun. It would have been m- more fun if Indy got some snow. It only got about three inches of snow on Friday, but like a lot of this, they they didn't really handle the city. Didn't really handle the snow well, especially the surrounding Indiana cities. Um, they were like the like the freeways were basically shut down there were a bunch of cars off the side of the road that spun out like they they clearly don't get the snow that northeast ohio gets so it was very um very tough to get in like the four and a half hour drive turned into a six and a half a six and a half hour drive on friday so that wasn't fun um i wasn't able to get to the rising stars game uh because you know i i missed that window but that was you know other other than that the weekend was great um i mean i guess i guess the game itself could have been just a little bit better but you know that's that's a separate conversation but like the weekend itself all of the events it was great to be there it was great to to see everybody and just experience that for the first time uh was really something that i've always wanted to do and I'm glad that i can check that off my list and speaking of experiences, uh, if you don't follow Jackson's work online or um, on his show, The Junkyard Pod, you can check him out at Twitter on Jacks Flickinger X, if I guess you're more uh, brand conscious. Um, since a Sam Merrill truther, uh, we talk about it quite a bit on the show. Maybe sometimes in jazz you're saying like, oh, maybe they should have played Sam Merrill. But then um, whenever Sam Merrill has a big night, the first time he had a big one for the Cavs, uh, he Jackson leaned over to me and said, can I write about Sam Merrill? And I'm just like, yes, he is the focus of this, of this game. Um, but more so the fact, um, 
since you were like the only Cleveland member there and you would know that like Donovan Mitchell's wearing five, um, did it kind of blow your mind when you saw the Money Merrill jersey bop come out during the three point contest? So if you would have told me like if you would have told me a couple weeks ago when Donovan Mitchell when it was announced that Donovan Mitchell was gonna be in the three point contest and then he said after the game that he's only doing it because of Sam Merrill, I wouldn't have been surprised if you would have told me then that oh yeah, he's going to be wearing a Merrill jersey. Like, I would have said, oh yeah, that's like a really nice touch. But actually being there and in the moment, it was kind of surreal, especially because this was in uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. We were in, uh, they put press in like the 300 level, which is not very close because it's a football stadium. It's It's not a basketball arena. Yeah. So we were pretty far away and Donovan, what he does is when he warms up, he takes off his like warm up shirt and he just has his jersey on. So there's about right after they announced all the contestants, they had like a two minute warm up during like the commercial break. And he took off his warm up and I saw it was a number five jersey, but I also saw it was a 2021 city edition uniforms, which obviously neither he nor Merrill wore. So I was really confused as to like what the number five was and I was pretty far away and when he turned around i could tell that what it said on top wasn't sam but i thought underneath it was merrill um so i was like there's no way he's actually wearing a sam merrill jersey because like i'm i have to be making this up because because of who i am because i've been on the sam merrill train since he's been playing with the charge last year so I was kind of in disbelief. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's a Merrill jersey, but I don't want to tweet that it's a Sam Merrill jersey and it's like a J.R. Smith jersey or something like that. Like that would have that would have made me. I would have felt pretty stupid. Um, but once I was able to confirm that it was a Money Merrill jersey, that was it. It was a pretty surreal moment for me, and I and I can't imagine kind of how it felt for Sam to kind of. If he was watching the turn on the TV and just see that, oh, Donovan Mitchell's wearing a custom Money Merrill jersey, like that's that's crazy. And I think that's I think I think that's a really it's like an underrated thing that Mitchell was willing to go out of his way to promote somebody who, as much as I like Sam Merrill, is really on the outside of the rotation. He is a fringe NBA player in terms of He's not on a guaranteed deal for next year, even, you know, he's making near the minimum salary. So it says a lot that somebody of Donovan Mitchell's stature took time to kind of recognize him in the biggest moment that he had this whole, this whole weekend, because, you know, when he was out there for the three point contest, he's the center of attention. He wasn't the center of attention at all during the all-star game because he's sharing the court with nine other guys. So it's really something that I think really shows the character of Donovan Mitchell that he would take that moment to really shine the spotlight on a teammate that really the rest of the world doesn't really know. Like if you're just a casual Celtics fan tuning in, do you know who Sam Merrill is? Probably not, you know, and that's I think that's really cool for him to do that. No, I I I I was when you i saw the initial tweet that you said it appears donovan mitchell's wearing number five i'm thinking well it could be jr smith or it could be sam merrill but then you said the year the jersey was and i'm like well donovan wasn't even on the team when those jerseys were available Mm -hmm. i'm like who wore number five that year 
But then you're like, oh, no, it's a Sam Merrill jersey. I'm like, interesting. Um, but more so the fact I did chuckle and I did think of you because when I was editing your story with a three-point contest and you opened with Donovan saying, I apologize to Sam Merrill and his family. Um, as a Sam Merrill truther and uh, just believer, did you did you accept the apology? <laughs> I... Um... I didn't. I didn't accept the apology. I felt that it wasn't. It wasn't really. Um, it wasn't really my place to do. But I felt that he needed to issue an apology. And if he didn't issue it, I would have asked for one. So he really just really just saved me a question. That's why I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have to say, Donovan, do you apologize to Sam Merrill? He he just came out. That was the first thing he did. He walked. So like. The way, like the All Star Game is set up, so like yeah, right yeah, after paint, paint paint a picture for everyone, just so they have an understanding of a little bit of the media fracas that is the All Star. Yeah, so it's 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 a complete free for all everywhere. But um, but after so what they do is right after each competition, they would bring people to a what they would call a mixer room, where essentially it's just kind of like a big conference room that they just set up tables for everybody. So they would do the losers of an event would all go to one room and then the winners or winner of the event would go to like the press conference room. So once I found out that Donovan Mitchell was eliminated, I had to, you know, go from my 300 level all the way to the basement to get to this, you know, room that he would be in. So I didn't see the rest of the three point contest once he was gone uh so i got there and then there was only a few other media people there for any of the other losers just because the sabrina and steph steph competition was going on right then and that was i think that was the highlight of the whole weekend and i think everybody kind of felt that too so even people who were like like even like jalen brunson didn't have much media there like there was actual new york media so they weren't really like there wasn't a whole lot of people in there. So it was really just me and a couple, me and like one other guy from, I believe like New Zealand was there just to, just to ask uh, Donovan some questions about uh, Joe Ingles. So that was, uh, that was something. But um, so Donovan just kind of like looked at the very few people that were in there. And he just, he just looked at us and said like, what questions could you possibly have? I just, you know, missed a couple shots. Like, what do you, like, what are you gonna say? Like, well, why? What? Like, ask me. Like, oh, why did I miss shots? And then he's like, well, I do want to say something. I want to. And there's like a little camera set up, and he like pointed directly at the camera and was like, I want to apologize, to Sam Merrill and his family for letting him down. Uh, that wasn't how I wanted to come out and shoot. And I am sorry. Will you please accept my a- a- apology? So that was. That was the first thing that Donovan did when he got there, unprompted. So that was that was that was pretty funny, and I thought that was one of the one of the highlights of the of the entire weekend. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad you had a good time. I'm also glad you didn't have to deal with the chaos and got home safe with all the cars off the road. But let's hit pause in this conversation. We're talking about more about what Jackson maybe saw, heard, just noticed behind the scenes because. Yeah, when you're covering All-Star, um, there is a certain love degree of separation compared to what people maybe see on TV or if you're able to t- attend the events in person because you get to go into the bowels of the arena and interact with all these different guys at once. But, you know, you know the drill. We got to pay the bills. So quick ad break. 
Today's episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot. FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA and also the official sportsbook of the LockedOn Podcast Network. Today's episode of Locked On Cavs is also brought to you by LinkedIn. When hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals who are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of over a billion professionals making it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else, and they do all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So it's it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows the small businesses are wearing many hard hats, and they may not have the time or resources to hire, so they're constantly finding ways to make the process easier. LinkedIn even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier, quicker, and you can get your hire sooner than you you wanted. Post your job for free at linkedin.com forward slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we are back with more Locked on Cavs. I am Evan Damrell. Jackson Flickinger is with me. Jackson, let's talk more. We, we talked about Money Merrill. That was obviously that. I, I agree. The Sabrina versus Steph competition was the highest of the high. Uh, you got to witness the highest scoring performance in NBA All-Star history, much too much people's disappointment and frustration. But what were some of the things that maybe people weren't aware of like conversations, interactions, the media availability. Um, I, I know Nikola Jokic said he wishes he was with his horses. Yes. What, what, what were some of the things you maybe saw or heard that maybe people aren't fully aware of since it's not, you know, in front of our faces on TV? I think um, going along with the Jokic thing, Jokic and Luca, I think maybe the best friends to ever exist. I think, I think that was pointed out on the broadcast, uh, some of the things that some of the hijinks that they were doing, but in media day, they were both just constantly like talking to each other and interrupting each other's press conferences. So, you know, if, you know, I would say that if, if Luca was to leave the Mavericks, I think he would love to play with his pal, uh, Jokic. So maybe, you know, that's one of the things that I definitely noticed. Um, I also, I, Donovan is somebody who, like, he has a really good, I feel like, relationship with everybody in the in the um, league. I think there was times where he was joking around a lot with, like, Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brown. Um, so I think uh, Tyrese, Tyrese Max is another one that he was constantly talking to and stuff. So I think it's, he, 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 he has a really good job of, like he just connects with people in a way that I think that other superstars don't really do. So um, I don't, I wouldn't say that, Oh, cause he's talking to Jalen Brunson. He wants to be on the Knicks and wants to be his teammate. Like I'm not saying that or anything, but I think it's just, he's somebody who is really personable. And I think if you're going to have him as the leader of your team, 
you want somebody who other guys seem to really like. Um, so I think that's something that's really comes out in All-Star Weekend because you get to see them interact with so many new and different people. Um, but one of the things that I'm definitely going to take away and something that most people probably don't even even know happened was like the G League All-Star game, the G League Next Up game. Um, Imani Bates, he had a pretty impressive game. Uh, and the G League, the G League All-Star game was actually... Uh, competitive in the way it was set up. Uh, but more than that, uh, he spent about five to 10 minutes after the G League game talking to Dan Gilbert, who was sitting courtside at the G League All-Star game, which is really, um, like, I didn't see Dan Gilbert anywhere else that weekend, not saying he wasn't at the All-Star game, but it's really, it's really odd for an owner to, the owner of an NBA team and a, billionaire to go to a G League All-Star game and to sit courtside and really be invested in the game. Um, so I think that Dan is really invested in Imani, and I think Imani, um, I talked to Imani afterwards about what he was like, so what did like you and Dan talk about? And he just said he, he was asking Dan what he needs to do to like... Uh, play at the next level. And I was like, well, I, I'm not sure if Dan's your coach or talent evaluator, but you know, I guess that's, I guess, you know, Shoot those are good shot. questions too. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, go, go directly to the big boss, you know? Um, so anyway, but I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting that like he, you know, like I'm sure he knows who Dan Gilbert is, but he definitely like took the time to be like respectful and like, hear him all the way out and like talk to him and stuff like that. And I think that's really interesting from both perspectives, from both Imani and Dan's perspective, that they're both really um, kind of like, you know, they really know each other and they're really mm -hmm. supporting each other kind of. So that's, uh, that's definitely, that's definitely noteworthy because we know, we know we've seen in the past how Dan kind of gets guys like the rumors about how he, was really influential and in them wanting to get Sexton and coaches in the past and all this stuff. So um, that's definitely a storyline to monitor this year, next year, the year after, as long as Imani's here. Yeah, I think that's that's actually a pretty fair evaluation. It is interesting just because Dan is a very, I mean, people are aware who Dan Gilbert is at this point. Um, he's one of the wealthiest men in the world after Quicken went public um, with stock options, but yeah, it is just yeah, it is surprising that one the the setup at the G League All Star Game, like you said, is at a convention center. It had that street ball yes. vibe to it. Like there were seats and things like that, but a lot of people were standing the whole time. And just like you said, like I saw that picture, I was like, that's interesting. Like just having that conversation with Dan Gilbert, and I think Amani's on the right path. Um, and I think, you know, maybe picking the brain of trying to get to that level, it's tricky just because the Cavs are so loaded one through 10 rotation wise. Right. But um, no, I think he's just got the right mindset. But um, yeah, and, it's, and like Dan hasn't been at a ton of Cavs games this year. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's been that way since since his health issues really kind of started coming up. So it's just really like him going to a game kind of is like newsworthy, like newsworthy at this point, let alone 
going to like a G League game where it was like it was really surreal kind of because it's it's like a convention so it, it was in a convention center and it was you know we all saw the um the videos and pictures of like the court at the airport in in indy where it's just like yeah in, like it looks so, kind of out of place it, you know it was a, it was a similar setup to that yeah kind of but then they put like they put like uh temporary bleachers up on the mm. side that you could see on TV. And then on the other side was just kind of chairs and those chairs were all for like team employees, but anybody could walk by them. So it wasn't like it was like any security. Like I was standing right behind the Cavs uh, team section, but it wasn't cause I had credentials or anything like, you know, anybody who just showed up for free could just walk behind there. So it was just kind of a really like, it was a super relaxed vibe to it where it was like more relaxed than like summer league. So just kind of like for that to be one of the games that Dan goes to was just really um, surprising to me where it was like when he came in, I was like, there's no way that's actually like Dan Gilbert here for this. So um, cause it's, it's one thing like the rising stars game. Mm-hmm. That's, would be more understandable. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure if he was or wasn't there. Cause I did not make it to that, but yeah, I don't know if he was or wasn't there either. And even if he was at the rising stars came, it's a different location. You could have a box or something like that, or something right. a more discreet just because like you said, he does go to Cavs games. He has his own designated seats more often than not. He's been raffling them off lately, mostly because of ongoing health yeah. issues and recovery from his stroke. But Let's hit a quick pin on this again because I have actually one last question when it comes to the Cavs and during All-Star Weekend. And we can just kind of empty your, I guess, quote-unquote notebook from your time there. But uh, you know the rules. Paying the bills, add time. Today's episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain and level your vehicle up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you want. And with eBay Guaranteed, fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. All right, we are back. I am Evan Damerell. This is Jackson Flickinger joining me to talk about his time in All-Star because, again, other than I, I saw Joe Varden was on the ballot, like, I guess, technically Cleveland-based writers, it was you and Joe, so... Yeah, Joe Joe was there. He did not go to any of Mitchell's press conferences or anything like that. Uh he probably I think I think he talked to Mitchell though, but I don't think that was uh not in like a public setting. You know, yeah, it's Joe also, has he's access that yeah, he's also a national he's a, he's a national writer, so like he's yeah. Cleveland based. But speaking yeah, yeah. of Mitchell, that's actually you're leading me into my question. How common were the questions about his future, or was it really not that big of a focal point for the Cavs or Mitchell during this just you know national bonanza where everyone's going to coming in from every which way and just saying like hey man what are you going to do are you going to say the Cavs or are you leaving yeah actually no questions there were no questions that I saw 
from his public media availability could have been because oh. I know he's sometimes, uh, you know, these bigger national guys have find find time to talk to you know guys like Donovan, uh, where I'm not there. But most of the questions were about actually Louisville basketball because that's close because he went to Louisville and it's close to Indy. So there was a bunch of a bunch of Louisville reporters there uh, trying to get questions to all of the Louisville guys at the all-star game. And that was probably the biggest like consistent questions besides like the influencers yelling, like what's your favorite Doritos? How many, how many 10 year olds would it take to beat you in one-on-one like the stupid questions, which I will say there were some there were some good answers to the ten year olds. How many ten year olds would take to beat you in basketball? Um, Donovan Mitchell said fifty to one hundred because he could like shoot over them and stuff. Whereas Jokic said um, probably just one if the ten year old's good. So <laughs> you know I think that's I think I I think we got some we got some interesting answers on that. But um, but yeah, so most of the most of like the basketball questions were actually like. Louisville related, which was interesting because I'm somebody who doesn't follow college basketball and definitely didn't follow Donovan when he was there. Um, but it was definitely like there wasn't a lot of, it didn't feel like there was the speculation about his future that I think would have definitely been there if, if the Cavs didn't win 18 out of 20. I think that's completely valid. And before we keep talking, how many 10-year-olds would it take to beat you in a game of one-on-one? Well, are you taking the Jokic route, or are you saying 50-100, to 100 or, you know, just you're going to be the king of the listen, 10-year-old if, hill? I, like, two, like, I think, I think I, I think I could beat two 10-year-olds, but if, if you throw a third one in there, I think it's, I, I think <laughs> I'm done. So, that's, that's what I would say. Um, but if they're good, one. <laughs> um, so, well, there Jokic. you go. But, but that's a good save. So, the the say, part, so you're saying you're better than Nikola Jokic, not as good as Donovan Mitchell. Okay, I like this. The best part about Jokic's answer is he didn't even take a second. He was just like he like he heard it and was just like one if they're good. Like didn't even like you know didn't have to think about it at all. Where it's, it's like it's not the first time he was asked this. So that yeah, it was um, definitely the highlight was. Uh, of non-Cleveland Cavs people, uh, definitely Jokic was definitely very entertaining. Um, so when when he wasn't answering questions in his native language, uh, because mm. I, I couldn't understand them. Um, so I don't know how entertaining he was then. If you're, but. if you're fluent in Serbian, I'd be... Yeah, you, I, uh, actually, I wouldn't be surprised. It's just another hidden Jackson quirk that we uh, are learning <laughs> as time goes on. But um, more so the fact... Um, were you at All Star when it was in Cleveland, like as a fan, or just like out and about in the city while it was going on? I went to on I went to All Star practice on Saturday, and I went to the Rising Stars on Friday. Okay, uh, so that's that's what I did. Um, it was very. I don't. Was there a big NBA like convention center type? Yeah. Event so. Thing? The way they broke it down in Cleveland is most of the events were at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. They had some stuff at the Wolstein Center, like the HBCU Classic, and also right. practice. And it wasn't at the, the Huntington Center Convention Center. It was like where the media workroom was, and like the media like 
merch stores, so like you could buy certain things that only media members could get. Like if you ever see me in a game, like the backpack I have is from the Cleveland All Star All Star Weekend, just because it looked really nice and it had a lot right. of pockets in it. Um, but yeah, they had a I'm not trying to like reveal where my I wife know- works, but it's not far from my wife's office. But it like it was like one of the like auxiliary like rental spaces like they use for like parties or conferences or weddings or things like that and they turned it into like that nba pop-up which had like you know food drinks games a bunch of sponsored events um things like that it's like yeah this they had something similar because um but they didn't do like the g league all-star game there like they may have done it in indy yeah because i because i think they because i don't remember like it was in the convention center, but like the convention center was full with like a ton of stuff for fans to do, not just like, oh, come and like buy some merch. It was like you could they had basketball clinics there. They had like like junior basketball clinics there. They had like a bunch of um like autograph signing stuffs were there. There was a lot of like come here like at one o'clock. This this event is happening at three o'clock. This event is happening. So I feel like. I feel like the Indianapolis one was a little bigger. And I think a lot of that has to do with like, it was still COVID time Yeah, like when pe- it was. Yeah. Masking was kind of required during Cleveland's all-star. Right. Like, so, I had to, I had to carry my vaccine card with me everywhere to like show it to them saying like, I'm, I'm clean. I promise. Right. And like Donovan Mitchell, for example, he, I think never left his hotel room. Yeah. in Cleveland because he got because he got COVID so we still had things like that happening so I think the all-star event in Indianapolis was a lot bigger and I think that's one of the things that I think kind of is unfortunate about the timing of when it was in Cleveland was that it could have been a little bigger um but it was um it was definitely like I think Indianapolis showed out well. Like there was a, a lot of good fan, especially at like the free events where like they could like normal fans could get to. I think it was a really well attended, well turned out. There's like Pacers stuff all around the city. Everyone was there wearing Pacers stuff, so it was really cool to see like the local support. Um, I will say that I think the All Star Game could have been a little. I think the pricing out the normal fan from the all-star games even more than they were in Cleveland. Uh, Cause I think I was looking at going to the all-star game, but it was about $300 for a standing room ticket in Cleveland. And the cheapest seats that I could find on SeatGeek were about $400 for the all-star game in Indy. And there was, it wasn't like there was a lot of empty seats, but there was a decent, there was more empty seats than you would think for a all-star game. And that's not, that doesn't reflect on Indy at all, because I, it's just like, I don't think a normal, like a normal NBA basketball loving family is going to spend $400 for one seat to go to an all-star game. So that's, that's what I think is a little disappointing is that I, I think some of the actual, Pacers fans weren't able to go and like when Halliburton was making his run in the um the first quarter and then at the end in the fourth quarter all the cheers were coming from like the 200 section like the upper level because that's where like the Pacers fans were so I think that's a little disappointing that one 
there were more Pacers fans there because they were priced out and two that there wasn't Pacers fans in the lower levels too. Cause that would have been, it would have been cool if it felt like Indy was able to really like show out for a game yeah, like they yeah. would do for like a Pacers game. Um, yeah. No, that, that was going to be my question is like, how did the, maybe the energy compare? Cause that's one thing I noticed from people online saying the crowd was just kind of like bleh during the all-star game or like the skills competition dunk contest, three point contest, et cetera. Like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, and then I noticed what you said, like, yeah, the cheapest seat I could find is $400, and I think that was the same complaint I had about Cleveland. It's just, like, it, there were not a lot of empty seats, but, like, some media were sitting in the traditional media section for Cavs games is, you know, where that's at, but, like, <clears throat> there was so much of us um, that they more or less, like, carved out a corner of Loudville and... yeah put in like a temporary structure that just had like card tables and um you i think we used the seats from the actual arena to sit in yeah that's what um, that's what it was for in, in india as well so like yeah but even i know something like wow there's a lot of empty seats up here and like it's just like man it is like you said like even if it's like a fit like you're a family of four like you're not going to shell out 1600 bucks plus fees <laughs> and everything else just to go right. see the all-star game like that is very unrealistic especially if you're like the price you're paying is like the equivalent of like nosebleeds like you're not gonna really see much of the action unless you stare at the jumbotron the whole time and then you're like well i paid sixteen hundred dollars to watch a very big tv when i could have paid zero dollars and just you know watch it at home but right and it's also like the game wasn't the game wasn't competitive fortunately the game in cleveland was competitive so yeah. like you at least felt like you got a little bit more of your money and i think and it, the game in cleveland was awesome with they brought out all the 75 the NBA's top 75 players and Michael Jordan made an appearance and that was like a big deal. Whereas in Indy, they didn't have the luxury of having that. Um, so that's a little like, at least if you paid $300 in Cleveland or, or, or whatever, you got to at least experience that. Whereas in Indy, you knew you weren't going to experience that. So that's a little like, I feel like the NBA could do a better job of making those seats available for like true Pacers fans. So like you could bring your kid to the game. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. I'm sorry. Um, I was just listening to what you said. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, there's, there's still changes. Uh, speaking of changes, there's one like quick, quick thoughts before we head out of here. How do you feel about them ditching the Elam ending and going back to the East West format? I was not a fan of either when they made that call. Uh, I like the East-West format more. I think it's Donovan said afterwards that like, if you want it to kind of be a competitive game, you kind of have to have some, like some semblance of normalcy and having a locker room, having teammates that you know, you're going to have going into the week that provides that. Whereas in Cleveland, they knew who their teammates were going to be, but uh, the last year in Utah, they decided before the game yeah which, that that was a bit of a mess like just right gonna, it's gonna be like an actual game of pickup where we pick people literally right moments before we tip off and then we conveniently have the correct jersey for you to wear yeah so that was so that was a little um so so donovan was a big fan of that and he said like if you want to kind of get a little more competitive you kind of need to make it more like a regular game so i'm fine with the east west so, like, the biggest problem with the thing with the All-Star game is that they never played defense. The The thing was, 
like 10 years ago, they just didn't shoot 95 threes. Whereas now these teams are just shooting. I think there was 160 combined threes, three point attempts in the game, something like that. Where like when you're shooting that many threes, you're going to have one watching people shoot threes that are kind of uncontested. Isn't actually that exciting compared to like watching people dunk. Um, and the amount of variance that that's going to inevitably produce, like the East just made a ton of threes and the West didn't really make that many threes. So that's why one team had 200 points and the other team was losing by 30. So you need to find a way to make it competitive. So the last five minutes can be good because that's really all that you want, because that's, that's, that's basically the amount of defense that, they've ever played in the all-star game, no matter if it was in the nineties, eighties, two thousands, like it wasn't like they were playing 48 minutes of defense, but the Elam ending, it definitely encourages that. But the problem is like against Utah, like not against Utah, when it was in Utah, they weren't able to, like, it was so one-sided in the beginning that the, the, the Elam ending didn't really add anything because they were down by 25, something like that. So, if you could find a way to guarantee it's competitive, I feel like they would have done it. Um, one of the things that I will say is that I felt that the G League All-Star game was really exciting. And one, obviously they're G League players, but I watched the G League All-Star game the year before, and it was just a traditional 48-minute basketball game. And it was very bad like it was basically like the same level of like the all-star game uh in the sense that nobody's playing defense nobody's just taking like a lot of threes so i think something like that you're going to guarantee that you're getting like if you were to play like to three they ended up playing three games to 30 if you played three games to 30 you're going to get guys trying the whole time the problem is that's not really that long. Like each game was about 15 minutes of real time. So that's, that's it. Like that's a solution, but that's, you're just bringing up more problems. So I'm not entirely sure there's a surefire way to save the all-star game. But I think the biggest reason why the all-star game is the way it is, is because the all-star game has always been an, an exaggerated version of the NBA game. Whereas in the, you know, before when it was like more of a post-dominated game or like a game that the best players were really good dunkers, you got all-star games where everyone's dunking and that's a lot more fun. Um, whereas now it's a lot more pri- like perimeter-oriented where now everyone's just making and taking a bunch of threes and that's, does it, that doesn't create a entertaining game uh, in this level. Even though I think the NBA game overall is better, I don't think the you're like sacrificing this all-star game. So yeah, yeah uh, I, I totally agree. Well, well, we'll see what happens next year. It's uh, in San Francisco. So yep. maybe it'll be a little bit of a different change of pace. If uh, they don't go three pointer happy, just to spite the warriors and their fans of something they're used to. But Jackson, thank you for your time. Uh, tell everyone where they can find your work and what you've been doing and maybe what you have down the pipeline, just to give them a little bit of taste of uh, what's to come. Yeah. So I've, uh, I'm going to have a story out about Imani sometime within a week, hopefully. 
uh, for Write Down Euclid. And uh, yeah, so I, I write uh, after every Cavs game, unless I get sick like I did on Wednesday. Um, I write a Cavalier Conclusions where I basically just kind of try to boil down the game into like 600, 700 words and find like a different angle that you're not going to get elsewhere. Um, so you can find that on write down Euclid uh, after every cast game. So that's definitely what you should be checking out if you currently aren't. So uh, please do that. And then I also have some work for Fear the Sword. So check that out as well. Yeah. And I did not. I, we're in separate rooms. I promise everyone I was not holding a gun to Jackson when he was plugging his write down Euclid stuff. But thank you again for your time, Jackson. Really appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for checking us out. Chris and I will be back uh, Thursday and Friday this week to, to, or no, sorry, Friday and Saturday this week to talk about the Cavs back-to-back. Um, well, no, the game on Thursday and then the game on Friday. So, yeah, we'll be back then. Uh, the Cavs are almost back, folks. We don't have to listen to this silly season stuff. Uh, if you want to watch Doc Rivers continue to shoot himself in the foot, I sure do. But until then, I'm Evan. That's Jackson. Thanks for checking out Locked on Cavs, and have a good Wednesday. Wednesday.